Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. And we are broadcasting to you live over Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com and over the WBSM streaming app and also over the Paranormal Radio app as well on TalkStream Live because we're not on the radio tonight. There's a college football game on, so we get to put our hair down a little. Well, Moniz gets to put his hair down a little bit. Yeah. The rest of us, we just, you know, I'm I'm probably a little shaggier than Matt Costa right now, but Moniz will just do all the hair letting down for the rest of us. It's been a while, Moniz. How you been? Uh, very, very, very busy and uh, working on a, a new project. So I won't be able to talk about it till next week if everything works out right. Well, if it works out right, you won't be able to talk about it at all. Hmm. I mean, if it really works out right. How so? Like if, you know, you, you, you only know what they've told you so far. When you get there. Okay. There might be something. Uh, I, don't there, think, there, well, there, I don't think there should be a conflict. There could be a reason why they're looking for you in particular. You have a very particular set of skills. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's in. Oh, don't want to give too much away. It's inside the Bridgewater Triangle. Yes, it is. So, we don't know what could be there. You could show up. There could be a Bigfoot locked away in a cage somewhere. Yeah. There could be, you know, the remnants of a of a UFO crash being stored in some facility somewhere. One of their halls may be haunted. So, well, that that part's definitely true. Yes. <laughs> so the, you know, so that if it works out, it works out, and then you can tell us. But if it really works out, <laughs> then you can't tell us anything. That's that's the point that I'm getting at. Yeah. I just uh, when when you were sharing the information about what was going on, I was like, hmm. I wonder. I wonder if there's something beyond just what's on the surface here with this. Like I said, I don't want to get. Well, it's a, it's an opportunity. We can yes. say it's an opportunity, but uh, I just I think this was an opportunity where they reached out to you as opposed to you reaching out to them, right? It was actually a combination of both. Okay. Well, yeah. Let's just let's just keep thinking that maybe they've got something that they need to call you in for specially. Okay. That's 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 what I'm hoping happens here. <laughs> you know, especially we've got all this uh, all this talk about the train coming through the swamp right there, yep. and you know maybe maybe they need your particular set of skills. But uh, we will use your particular set of skills tonight as we talk about the paranormal, which is what we do each and every Saturday night. And uh, tonight we will have some oh uh, I don't know a, a bit of a loose format. We can do that when we're on the internet only. Actually, we can do that on the radio too because who cares? Like we run the show. We yeah. can do whatever we want. Yeah, as long as we're not over the airways, we can be, be kind of naughty. Well, I mean, we've got to keep it somewhat clean. We do some of our uh, some of our friends out there in Internet land that rebroadcast the show, such as the Dark Matter Digital Network, and you know, iTunes carries the podcast. We mark it under clean. So we've we've actually we've never gotten bagged on that. Surprisingly, iTunes just doesn't listen. They don't care. They just like, eh, these guys have done like 560 shows. What is this, 559? Yeah. Wow. Isn't there also a... Um... It seems like episode 500 was just 59 episodes ago. Yeah, really? <laughs> really, it just time, fly, time flies. But I, I think you're allowed a certain measure of the song. Oh, not... 
of songs. No, yeah. I'm talking about swears. Oh. Yeah, no, I'm 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 picturing there's probably a room somewhere at Apple headquarters where they have like a bunch of people that have to sit there and listen to all these podcasts that mark themselves clean and be like, "Oh, oh, oh, wait, he said sucks. What do we do? What do we do? He said sucks. What's the what's what's the what's the line of demarcation here for for bad words?" And uh, I was I was looking through um I was looking through some of the filters that they have for for different podcasts and you know, one of the filters for one of the sites is that actually, like, if you put sucks, they, like, categorize your podcast as being adult language. Or just terrible. Well, what if you're talking Sorry, about vacuum or, cleaners? Or just, like, a terrible podcast? Well, I think I think it's because people put out podcasts that are like, like, I, is like, it like Spooky a- South Coast sucks. It's a, it's a podcast where they just oh. talk about how terrible we are. That'd be a good show. Is I would that- listen to that. I really, I tune into that. <laughs> but what if the podcast was about vacuum cleaners? Well, I, I'm sure there is one somewhere. <laughs> oh, can you imagine how interesting a, a vacuum cleaner, uh, there was, cleaner podcast? There's is? like, there's so many different ways you could go with it, though. <laughs> like, so you yeah. have like the first episode, you know, Hoover, the inside story, <laughs> Dyson, a man in his dream. Mm-hmm. You well, know, I take that back. It would be interesting. I think I would I listen was- to it. I was being a little schmarmy. You know what? And first, you know what? You, you know, know what? who? If I think we I, should start one, we should start a vacuum cleaner <laughs> podcast. And you know who? You know who should be the first guest? Uh, Handy Andy. Handy Andy. We'll have Handy <laughs> Andy on. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Handy Andy is uh, pretty a much local the, celebrity. Yeah. He, no, but he's pretty much the only vacuum cleaner repairman I've ever seen a commercial for in my life. How long right. has he been around? Thirty something years? I don't know because he looks like he's like. 38 in the commercials. <laughs> I remember him back right. in the 80s. And I don't. Has, has there been multiple generations of Handy I, Andy? I think it actually Have there been, like, has he been cloned? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Like, is there like a, there's, there's like old, you know, 1950s canister Handy Andy with the canister <laughs> back. <laughs> like and that episode of Eerie Indiana. Where they slept in Tupperware. Oh, I don't know if I remember that. Oh, it was a good episode. The, um... Yeah, so we should, should we should start a vacuum cleaner podcast. And we should call it "This Podcast Sucks." <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm gonna, like, this is a a thousand dollar idea. Yeah, hundred dollar idea. <laughs> Maybe even ten right. bucks. Right. That's the the uh, the audience seems to be for the for the vacuum cleaner podcast idea. Colleen even gave us a tagline. Dyson, it only needs one ball. <laughs> Let's not get testy. So uh, tonight we will we'll talk about the paranormal. We're going to be joined by uh, Michelle, who, if you are a listener to Midnight in the Desert, you know Michelle as the producer of that show and uh, also as one of the stars of the After Midnight show that airs on Fridays after Midnight in the Desert. And uh, we put out there this week that we're looking for people who want to audition for reading the week and weird now i'm going to kind of let everybody in on a, on, a, on a little secret here for years we read the week and weird and for years it was you know myself reading a story and matt reading a story and moniz reading a story and i know a lot of people have said oh we, we want to go back to that like we liked it when you guys did it that way like no offense to you guys but i was forcing you to do something that you really weren't comfortable with you know, I could kind of tell that you weren't really cool with 
especially because I handed you the story 10 seconds, seconds before, before you were about to read it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Matt does a fantastic job all week long of finding these stories and putting them up there. So, like, now it would be a little bit different because now he would have an idea of what story he wanted to do and he'd have time to, to practice it and everything. But also, like, I also feel like it's better if you're not the one reading the story so that you can just listen to somebody else reading the story because I need you guys to help me come up with the smart-ass things to say about the stories. And I think that's where we really, you know, did a good job with bringing in, we had Melody and we had, um, why am I blanking on Ashley's name? Oh, Ashley. (laughs) I was just kidding. I knew it was Ashley. And uh, so we we had them kind of read the stories and that gave us the chance to to come up with the the smart-ass comments. So that's why I'm thinking, you know, we'll bring in another, because we could always just go back to, you know, we could now see there's a such thing as the internet now. As opposed to in 2006 when we were doing the Week in Weird, where I could say send you a story on Monday and be like, here, Moniz, this is going to be your story on Saturday. And you would have plenty of time to read over it and get familiar yeah. with it and come up with what you wanted to say about it. But I just feel it's better if it's... Organic. Yeah, spur of the moment, kind of let's just react to it. So I put up a thing for asking for auditions of anyone that's interested in doing it, and we got a lot of response. So, But as is usually the case, you get a lot of response to people that want to do it, it's a matter of whether or not they actually do it and keep up with it. And, you know, we, we picked a couple of people in the past who have done a great job with The Week and Weird, but they're also people who are very busy. And so they haven't had a chance to keep up with it. So this way here, I think what we're going to do is because we've had such interest in it, we'll try to give everybody a shot. We'll work everybody in. Everybody that can do it, that we listen to it and we say, okay, you can read something on the air. I mean, there's going to be some people that are going to, you know, kind of... Oh, yeah. They're going to audition, and they're not going to be good enough. Like, And if we don't pick you, don't take it personally. Not everybody's made to read something on the air. Believe me. You, even us. I, I, read, I read things on the air all the time, and there's days when I'm, I just shouldn't be doing it. There's, and some days I start off like as, uh, I've been filling in in the newsroom again. There's days when I would start reading stories at the beginning of the day, and I'd be like, hey, ho, ho, doing a good job. And then by the end of the shift, I'm like stumbling over every other word so you know it's it's not it's not a a calling for everybody so don't take it personally if uh if we don't incorporate you into the mix but we're going to kind of pick the best of the best and maybe we'll do like a rotation thing i'm trying to but we we were kind of talking about it off the air before we started the show but we'll involve the audience in, in the discussion a little bit here one of the things i'm thinking is if there's all these people that want to do it why not just let them each submit a couple of stories each week and then we can just play the ones that we want to use that week and then you know we can save some of them to carry over the next week yeah and so this way here we have like correspondents who are out there getting these stories now matt you said you would prefer video for these right um yeah i think um i think uh for our youtube audience they they would appreciate it and and it wouldn't be too hard for you to to run the videos as we were no i think it's good doing the show be all right okay so we'll We'll see how that works out, and we'll see if we can get everybody on on board with that plan. But uh, tonight we're going to have Michelle join us uh, in a few moments, and she'll be doing tonight's Weekend Weird. I know that they're very busy uh, with – they're having some some meetings tonight, today, for the for Midnight in the Desert. So hopefully she'll be able to join us. Now, I have a question. What about setting up something for our listeners to go back into, you know, our past Weekend Weird – shows and do follow-ups 
what happened to the story afterwards. Well, they're they're all there. I mean, anybody can. That's what I'm go saying. Back and it, check them out. It's like a like an Easter egg. Because most of these stories, to be honest with you, most of these stories are just like the weird story of the week. You know, like yeah. this guy decided to have sex with a skeleton. You know, I'm pretty sure that after that story ran, that guy kind of couldn't have sex with skeletons anymore. I mean, I hope he could. You know what story was getting a ton of uh, interest this week, Matt? Is it that uh, Chinese gen- uh, genocist? No, okay. I didn't even see that one. The the vampire couple story that you oh, put yeah, out, yeah. Yeah. getting yeah, tons of response. And uh, and that's I think that's something we should doesn't, really... Doesn't it like physically make you sick? To drink blood? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that like a thing? Well, is, like, yeah, isn't it supposed to turn your stomach? Yeah. Like, you can say you're a vampire, but, like, like there's there's implication. There's a, there's consequences to drinking human blood. Yes. I mean, like, medically, like, I yes. mean, you, you can't do it. It's not, like, a thing. It's like eating raw meat. You're not supposed to. Or, well, like, drinking, right. like, cow's blood or like something. Like, if you, if, you, if you remember, and it might be kind of hard for us to remember, like, back when we were kids... But, you know, you would lose a tooth, and your mouth would start bleeding, and if you didn't, like, do the salt water rinse really fast, mm-hmm. and, you know, like, especially, like, if you lost a tooth in the car, and your mouth is bleeding, like, the m- blood is going into your mouth, and it would turn your stomach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you would be like, I don't feel so good. And then uh, you would have, like, two or three other loose teeth that, when you threw up, they would come out, too, and then you have to pick them up out of your vomit so you can get a... No, that didn't happen to anybody else? No, that didn't happen to me either. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it but, does uh, make you like kind of nauseous, though, if you get yeah, blood in your mouth. Right. And it's, it's or got, for most people, apparently, but not vampires. Well, I mean, I guess if you prepare it correctly. I like that. There was somebody's comment on uh, Facebook of uh, how they didn't believe that they were real vampires because they, real vampires wouldn't have the... Um, the uh, cheesy decor, that, yeah. <laughs> right? That, that's the first thing I thought of when it, I saw it. It wasn't too. nearly a gaudy enough, like like, you know, like vampires. Gothic, gothic enough. Yeah, vampires have to have style. Yeah, they were like the the they're like a cool supernatural being. And, like, and the idea behind a vampire is you're trying to lure in yeah, others, and you're not going to lure in others with like uh, you know a kitchen that looks like it's from the seventies. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe in the seventies you could lure people in with that, but not now. Uh, okay, if you're talking, you know, like storybook vampires and vampire lore, mm-hmm. you know, going beyond like the Anne Rice type of stuff, vampires actually wanted to blend in. You know, because well, of, well, the I guess nature, that would make sense. A 70s yeah. kitchen isn't going to help you do that either. No, but the point being is they didn't want to stand out. Right. But you still like have, they were drinking, still have some they, sense of style. They were, they were drinking, uh, they had their, their blood in like the, the, their, the chalice, chalices or wine glasses or whatever they were drinking. Uh, Goblets. Yeah. <laughs> on uh, like a TV table from Walmart. Okay. Yeah. But. So, I don't know. Put, put a tablecloth. Make it, make, it, make it a thing. If it's, if it's a weekly thing, like if that's your Sunday dinner. All right. Treat it like it's Sunday dinner. Have you ever like gotten, so have you ever like gone to the store and bought a steak? Oh, yeah. Or. Uh, you know, gotten like a good piece of prime rib or roast beef or something, and then the you know there's the blood in the bottom of the styrofoam package. You ever like dared somebody else in the house to drink it, no. or, or dared yourself to drink it? It's mine. <laughs> well, I I I have I have done that before. Uh, I used to dare my brother to drink it. I'd be like, put a little salt pepper in it. 
Tastes like tomato juice. Does not taste like tomato juice. <laughs> but uh, you know, I've, I've I've done that. We also used to have a, a ritual, Matt Costa and I. Well, I don't know if you did. You partake in the ritual? What's up? Remember the uh, the ritual we used to do at the diner? We had a lot. I don't know. <laughs> the, the one the one with the au jus. Oh, the yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> so for, right. on our steam table, we used yep. to have um, we used to have a big metal pan of au jus. So if somebody ordered a roast beef dinner, we would just slice the roast beef. Dip Dunk it in that it, for yeah. a couple seconds, and that's how we would warm it up for you. And uh, and then we'd give you a little bowl of it if you had like a French dip sandwich or whatever. And so uh, we used to do this thing where I would like line up the dishwashers and pour the little monkey dishes full of the au jus, mm-hmm. and I'd make them drink it. But you had to sip it, and you had to like give some sort of wise comment when you uh-huh. did it. <laughs> so it would be like it would be like uh, uh, may the hair in your never region in your nether regions never turn gray, and then you would sip it. And then somebody else would have to say something else, you know. So it was. Uh, I don't remember the sayings, but you don't remember the sayings. No. That was the best part. <laughs> so, okay, well, that was, that's. I'm sure there was some weird rituals we had. Yeah, we we definitely had some some weird stuff that we would do, but uh, let's see if uh, if we have Michelle with us. Michelle, are you there? I'm here. Oh, and you sound great. Can you hear us? Okay. I'm sure there was I hear you great. Oh, we're getting a little bit of a, a feedback from Matt. Let me see if that's my fault. And it is. There we go. It's always my fault now. Remember when we used to? I used to get so excited because I thought that was my chance to say, uh, "Can you turn down your internet stream? Please silence your listening device." But nope. It, it's it's me. Each time it's just me. Well, uh, I, Michelle, we were just telling everybody about uh, who you are and what you do, uh, but let's just reintroduce you to the audience uh, again. And I know Dave said it correctly the other day on uh, on the show on Midnight in the Desert, but is it Bulgats? Is that right? Bulgats. Bulgats. Michelle Bulgats. Michelle, Michelle Freed Bulgats. You want the whole name, all three. You're I like, guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I can do I, that. I've been if you want to by that, it's kind of. I haven't made a for sure decision. If you want to be the John Cougar Mellencamp of uh, Paranormal Radio, that's fine with me. You will <laughs> that's get a, right. You'll get all three <laughs> names. So Michelle Fried Bolgarts is, uh, and I've already butchered your name, is uh, joining us to share with us some of the news stories of the week. And you know, uh, we had talked about. Um, you know, having you kind of record these, Michelle, so we could try them out. But we decided to scrap that and just do it live. You know, Bill O'Reilly. You know, effort. We'll do it live, and uh, and and I think we're going to have some fun. So don't take if we make smart ass comments during your story. Don't take it personally. Okay. Oh, well, I just want to start out, but you are the meanest brother ever. <laughs> Why? Well, how that's, can you do that? Like make them eat weird food? That's I'm just helping I'll him helping him grow. <laughs> well, yes. I guess I shouldn't really criticize you because I. I played some mean tricks on my siblings well i mean are you trying to do you, do you need to confess is there something you need to get i do i kind of feel like this is a moment for me all right here goes um i made them eat like you know that chocolate the baker's chocolate oh everybody does that though don't feel bad about that well all right that's did you see the video that's gone viral about that no the, there's a little boy who uh, is like begging his mother, like she's got the chocolate out on the counter, and he's begging his mother for the chocolate, and she's like, "You're not going to like it. It's not chocolate," and he's like crying and crying and crying that he wants it. She's so finally she's like, "All right, fine, you want it," and so she gave him a, she gave him the yep. thing, and he takes a big heaping spoonful of it and puts it in his mouth, and he's like, <laughs> just yeah, in the awful. face, and 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 you know, but he's 
he's to give him credit like at first he's trying not to he's trying to be defiant and be like oh yeah this yeah. is fine this is exactly what i was expecting but uh it doesn't really last very long so if that's the worst thing you've ever done michelle you're, you're a pretty good person still so um well there's one more can i tell you one real, real Absolutely. quick one yes so I shared a room with my sister, and I always had trouble sleeping at night. So I would rearrange all the furniture in the room without her ever knowing, like literally even her bed. I would like put my back up against the wall and like evenly with my feet move the bed over, and then she'd be on the whole other side of the bed, bedroom. And then when her alarm clock rang in the morning for school, she was so discombobulated. It's well, great. That reminds me of a trick that I used to play on on all my siblings all at once. There was five of us, so and we all we all would ride together in the car, and uh, I would sit in the back. We had a station wagon, and my brother and I would sit in the back, and everybody, you know, then my three sisters would be in the middle, and my brother would be back there with me, and we'd go somewhere, and uh, either one kid would fall asleep in the car, or maybe all the kids would fall asleep in the car, or what have you. And so I used to, <laughs> I used to love to do this thing if I was the only one awake, and if all four of them were asleep, or even if one or two of them were asleep, I used to love to to either wake them up, or when they woke up, be like, hey, hey, wake up, wake up. We're not here. Wake up. You're not going to believe it. We're at Disney World. Oh, no. <laughs> what? What? Huh? And I, every time I would Surprise. do it. And every time they would fall for it. So uh, I at one time, I actually... Uh, I actually told them that we were at Wally World, and then I had to explain to them that Wally World's not a real place. Like, that's just the six flags that they called Wally World. Anyway, uh, so uh, we were talking uh, about uh, having some new Week and Weird correspondence, and, and Michelle, you were one of the first to volunteer. So, uh, And I know that we've had the chance now to hear you on the After Midnight Show uh, for, for a little while now, but this is it. This is your star turn right here. Oh, great. Great. So um, you want me to just jump into just, the first? Sure, just jump right in. Okay. So the first story I found is from um, Reuters. It's about John of God. Do you know who John of God is? I don't. Okay. So um, he's he's from Brazil, and he he does these, like, healings. And he was actually on Oprah Winfrey in um and she went over there to like check what he does, but he does those kind of surgical, you know, sur surgeries and um, heals people, like takes out their tumors with his fingers and all that stuff. Well, um, he's just been accused by 200 women um, of, uh, they, well, they say it's the worst serial sex crime case in the country, in, in the country's history. And so now they're arresting him. And, I mean, people would make pilgrimages there to get healed. And, you know, it was pretty, pretty scary stuff. Anyway, um, so the alleged victims, uh, they're included from the United States, Germany, Belgium, Switzerland, and Bolivia. And... He um, he denies the accusations, and but he said that he would comply with the law. And there's this one Dutch choreographer uh, that um, she they she um, she's on the TV Global program on Friday. Alleged that 
John of God sexually assaulted her, and the TV station spent three months investigating the story and interviewed dozens of other women who came forward about this. And they interviewed uh, Oprah Winfrey, and she she said that she empathizes with the women now coming forward and hope justice is served. So uh, that's just that's pretty- just crazy. That I mean, first of all, you know you you you're really putting your trust into somebody to to go to see somebody that can heal you in that way. So you're already putting a lot of faith and a lot of trust in them just in that regard. So it's already an abuse of that trust if you're not fulfilling what it is that you're saying that you can do. And then to take even more advantage of that trust like that is just, that's just disgusting. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of people go to uh, this place. And, and, uh, and they, uh, they come in flocks and they're, they're hoping, you know, they're usually, most of these people are, you know, they're losing all hope in medical, you know, our regular medical practices and this is their last chance. And they spend money and then they come and then, uh, and then now we find out that, you know, there's some kind of, you know, sexual assaults on these women. So it's pretty it's pretty sad if you ask me. Well, if there's one thing that'll come out of this is that uh, when he goes to prison, they're not uh, they're not going to let him just use his hands. Okay, moving on uh, to the next story. <laughs> All right. Okay. So this this next one is kind of right up my alley. I love this stuff. So um, okay, the CIA secretly created mind controlled dogs. What? You're supposed to say what? No, okay, I say so, I, was, I say woof. <laughs> oh, ah, woof. Okay. Um, so, um, in 1963, the CIA experimented with implanting devices in the brains of dogs in order to control their movements, influence their actions, and perhaps even surveil on unsuspecting humans. The specific aim of the research program was to examine the possibility of controlling the behavior of the dog in an open field by means of remotely triggering electrical stimulation of the brain. And um, I don't know, are you familiar with John Greenwald from the Black Vault? Uh, Sounds familiar. Yeah, he's the one that collects all those secret files that, you know, um, under the Freedom of Mm -hmm. Information Act. So he's been spending like 20 years trying to get this information um, out. He's been researching, and finally it's coming out. And um, and they're calling this part of the MK Ultra project, which is pretty oof, pretty interesting that they started on on dogs. And according to the redacted documents, six dogs had electrodes embedded entirely within a mound of dental cement on their skulls, uh, and which were led, they were leads inserted under the dog's skin and attached to an external harness equipped with a battery pack and a brain stimulator. Hmm. So, yeah. This the it's incredible some of these experiments that we can't even imagine that they were doing and who knows what they're doing now. It, it's funny because I a few years ago I gave a talk at the library here in New Bedford around Halloween time, you know, just a, a ghost of the South Coast presentation and there was a guy who I think he worked at the library, was a volunteer, 
And he came up to me afterwards and starts talking to me about um, when he was a young child. I, I forget the circumstances, but he was in the hospital for some reason. And he started asking the medical staff. I guess he had been in a coma or he, he, he had been unconscious for a while. And he started asking the medical staff about things that had happened while he was in this state. And they thought it was very odd that he knew about these things that he wasn't conscious for. You know, they can tell in the hospital when you're conscious because... You're hooked up to monitors that let them know if you're conscious or not. So it's weird. Like when I had a sleep test, they knew I was awake before I'd even opened my eyes because of my brain waves. It's freaky. But anyway, um, so he told me that uh, when he started talking about these things with the medical staff, that after a while there were some men from the government that came to visit him and started asking him all kinds of questions about what he saw during that time and like what he knew. And he said that uh, they eventually they took they took him and his mother and they brought them to Washington, D.C., and they kept them there for a period of a couple of months and would make him do, like, all these tests and everything. And I mentioned to him MK Ultra, and I talked to him about some of these uh, some of these experiments that were done. He had, he had never heard of it. and he, So he was either, like, the best mm-hmm. actor in the world pretending to, you know, making up this story to try to get my interest, pretending not to know anything about this stuff, or uh, or he was the real deal and really had no idea that he wasn't the only person that they had done this to. So it's uh, just a very weird circumstance but I, I i don't doubt it i mean i don't doubt that they were looking for any kind of edge that they could get and this seemed like it was the the next evolution of warfare you know well yeah it's yeah it's pretty scary we do a lot of remote viewing on these kinds of things to figure out um kind of what is going on uh one uh, just recently we worked uh, we did we, we didn't, you know, remote viewing, you don't know what the target is. And we were doing it on Andy Bishago and his claims of the jump room. I'm not sure if you're familiar with all that. but um, And it's really interesting because in our sessions, we get information that kind of doesn't quite point to the fact that, that what they claim happened. It's kind of something like being brainwashed. That's what comes up in our session. So it's pretty, pretty interesting because it's like there's parts of the story that are real and then parts of the story that are a little foggy. Well, one thing I want to do uh, sometime in the future, Michelle, I want to have you come on and, and be the guest for the whole show talking about remote viewing because it's oh, something that gosh, we really haven't, would, we haven't covered that. it that much. <laughs> I'm not saying a thing. And, uh, and oh no! Why? <laughs> you familiar with SciTech? SciTech? Yeah. Mm, I'm not. Sh- no, I don't think so. What's SciTech? That was a private remote viewing organization back in the early '90s. I got involved with. Oh, uh, not a good experience there. Well, not so much the experience; it's the people. Who? Oh, I guess you can't. Well, maybe yeah, off air you can yet. tell me. He he, he was he wasn't too happy with the uh, the company car they gave him. They're <laughs> oh, like, you don't man. need a company yeah. car. You're a remote viewer. Just yeah, go there in your mind. Uh, but getting back to what the government does, uh, lately they've been working with um, cetaceans or dolphins and whales and stuff like mm-hmm. that, me- using them in uh, warfare for the navy, uh, indirectly controlling them to do uh, their bidding to find submarines and mines and do underwater warfare yeah i mean i've been hearing more and more of that and it kind of makes sense right uh they also have um i don't know if i'm 
stepping out of bounds here with us, but they've also been working with uh, controlling insects. Well, oh, like nanotechnology? In a sense, yeah, using um, basically insects to like bore into a, a building or get into a building and then i mean i can see the commercial applications for that because you could you know if work can go to hold of that technology that doesn't work. that give a new meaning to a fly on the wall like or wishing you were a fly, fly on, on the, the wall? wall quite literally <laughs> i would i would not be a, and i i would hate to think that they could control and i mean i I'd, I'd like to control them i'd like to keep all the bees away from me for the rest of my life not a big bee fan or a big hornet fan, but uh, I, you know, to also think like that they could, they could just decide to infest, you know. So say, say, let's just say there's somebody that's a, a powerful person in government uh, that wants to, um, you know, city government that wants to have some uh, some buildings cleared out so that a new project can come in. They can just infest it with cockroaches. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't really like that plan. Although I guess they could do that anyway. You just wouldn't be able to control them. Just like, hey, just go, cockroaches. And just let them loose. Anyway, don't don't listen to me. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> totally up. I was looking. I was just looking at some comments online from somebody uh, that um, I was interacting with. It. Uh, well, I'll save that for a little later. Uh, but uh, do do you have uh, another story for us, Michelle? Before we let you go, I um I do. I don't love this one, but it it was. Uh, something a little interesting, not, well, whatever, I'll just say. Um, so you've heard of Tom DeLong, the former Blink-182. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So he has a new show coming out, so I guess I wanted to talk about that. It's called Strange Times. It's based on his book, and it's going to be airing on TBS. And um, I just wondered what, you know, you kind of think about him uh coming out with a tv show based on his book well you know and, how people feel about him i mean you, mm-hmm. you you've been hearing the conversations on on midnight in the desert and some of the some of the experts that you brought on that that reference him and the to the stars academy and right. it uh, I, at, at first i thought hey this is something here this is going to be the chance for at least a little bit of somewhat mainstream cred for looking into ufology and, and looking into this. But then the more that I've seen the stuff that he's come out with and the people that have worked with him and seen some of the criticisms of him online, I realize this is just some, you know, more of a publicity stunt than anything for him, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that too. I know um, it's interesting because some of the people he has on his staff are pretty legitimate scientists like Hal put off and and he's working on some really interesting things and it just it boggles my mind how he was able to get this group together to work with him yeah i i think that part of it is i think his uh his platform draws some attention because you think that with somebody like you know obviously he's got a direct line into coast to coast uh, he's going to get you articles in Rolling Stone and Entertainment Weekly. Uh, he's going to get you coverage in, you know, regular newspapers, more mainstream publications that normally don't give ufology much of a, a of a chance, unless it's, you know, something ridiculous takes place, or unless uh, you know Steve Bassett holds a, a big press conference or something. Other than that, they don't really get space in the media, in the mainstream media. So this is a chance to kind of have that that foothold. Because now you've got this guy that people look at and say, "Oh, well, here's a here's a rock star that actually wants to, you know, spend some of his own money, 
getting involved in this. But then the more you look into it, it kind of looks like maybe he's not spending his own money on it. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, yeah. yeah. But have you, have you tried reaching out to try to book him for, uh, for Midnight in the Desert? Yes, um, quite a few times. Um, I were talking with them, and uh, and I keep getting um, pushed off, but they don't say no. So, um, and you know, the, my follow the rule that they have to say no three times, and they haven't said no three times yet. <laughs> that's that's a good rule <laughs> so, to have. Uh, yeah. But uh, so just um, we'll delete all of my comments from the record. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's, but, but I, mean, I mean, obviously, you know, you want to have the chance to ask questions and you want to have the chance to kind of get to the bottom of it. And, and I think that, uh, that that show would be the perfect format for that. I hope that he is doing it. Let's, I mean, let's face it. This isn't a, this isn't a knock on, on coast to coast and, and on, on George Noy, but the interviews that I've heard with him there and the interactions that he's had with that program have been mostly pro, you know, to the stars. It's been mostly on the positive side of what it is that he's doing. And I, I don't think the hard questions have been asked of him yet. Yeah, well, if anyone's going to ask the hard questions, that's Dave Schrader. So, um, so I'm going to work on getting him on. Maybe he's scared. I challenge him. So there you go. You heard it here. I'm sure he listens to the show. We actually have quite a bit of, uh, you know, music industry people that listen to the show. We were talking about this, uh, I was talking about this last night with some friends. You know, we, we actually know some people that tune into the show that people would be like, oh, really? I don't know. They listen to the show, but we're not going to, we're not going to expose anybody but um <laughs> and then so just one other guest suggestion because i haven't had a chance to tell you you know when, yes. it, when it comes to get when it comes to be dave's birthday try and try and book bruce springsteen for him okay <laughs> i oh my gosh okay any of your music guests out there please michelle at midnight in the desert.com please give me a lead i have been working for six months uh trying to get him on well so, if, and i am not gonna give up if it doesn't work out we could at least get you any money because we yeah <laughs> we had any money on the show yeah. a couple times so okay, i'll take it maybe, maybe we can work that out for you all right michelle well thank you so much for for joining us and for sharing with us these uh these weird stories thank you and we'll have a good one talk to you nice soon meeting you all take care bye-bye that is uh, Michelle. I'm, um, I should try to say her name again, but I'm not going to because I know I'll, I'll botch it. We do have some calls lined up, though. Uh, there's some some pe- people on the phone that would like to talk to us, so uh, we can go into those calls. Let me just make sure that I switch everything over here so that we can that goes there, there. make sure that the calls go through. Matt will let us know if they don't work. Uh, good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. How are you? I just wanted to say that that, uh, that, that guest you had on, uh, she was kind of right and wrong about Tom DeLonge. I'm a huge fan of uh, Blink-182. And um, he was really deep into the UFO stuff. And the rumor was that he was kicked out of Blink-182 because they thought he was a kook. Yeah, I had heard that uh, that they were talking to him about, um, you, know, you know, when he was still in the band, he was still very much interested in this. That It had come up a few times. Uh, about these other pursuits, but 508-996-0500-877-996-1420 if you want to call in and share your own stories. And, uh, we can, you know, we can discuss some of your own experiences if that's what you want to do. Uh, I know that, um, when I put out the call for people to call in and do the Week and Weird auditions, I think some people got a little confused with what we were asking. And there was a lot of people that commented in the post and said, well, you know, I don't know about news stories, but I have my own stories I'd like to share. And we always are willing to take calls and have you share your your experiences. Um, But just in terms of the weak and weird, that's not really what we're looking for. With that, 
format we're looking for somebody to do like what michelle did where you're sharing with us some of these stories and you know when we first started doing the week in weird in 2006 when we started doing this show it was really hard to find paranormal stories in the news now they're everywhere yeah i mean matt you you know i mean you you go through finding right. all these stories all week long and put them up on our on our social media and so you know that there's just a, a I don't want to say a glut of stories, but there's certainly a lot more than there was, you know, 10 years ago. Oh, there definitely is. Um, I, I remember um, searching for stories originally, and there were maybe like three or four sources, like solid sources that we would kind of like go to. Mm-hmm. But now uh, it seems like every um, every news source out there has a strange news section or a yeah. weird news section or out of the ordinary. Sure. Stuff. Yeah. And... And sometimes, you know, it's stuff that wouldn't really fit in with the show. Right. You know, sometimes just like weird crimes or something like that. But a lot of times there are, you know, frequent ghost stories, UFO stories, mm-hmm. Bigfoot stories, you know, all, all different kinds of yeah. cryptid stories. You know, what used to just be a legend that people would share is now a sighting that people are reporting. So there's been a different... And we talked about this even back then where we would say, I wish that they would just take these stories a little bit more seriously. And it didn't have to be at uh, Halloween time. So, what if we told you that there was a local home that was full of ghosts? We'll have that story coming up at eleven. You know, yeah. like they and and we and I used to do some of those interviews. You know, I used to be the the guy on the other end calling in to share some of those stories, and you would get the hosts or or the interviewers that would say things like, "Well, come on, Tim. We know there's really no such thing as ghosts. So, what do you really think this is that people are saying? Uh, I think it's ghosts." No, but come on. We know ghosts aren't real. So what is it if it's not a ghost? No, it, it, it it's a ghost. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's possibilities that it could be other things. But if somebody says that they've gone through all of those rational possibilities, then I'm going to say, then if all that's left is a ghost, then I'm going to take them at their word that it's a ghost. And so there has been that shift in tone to the way that the stories are reported now. So now it's a, a matter of the paranormal aspect of it, the supernatural aspect of it is treated with a little bit more respect. Still not exactly where we would like to see it, because otherwise it wouldn't be in the weird news category. Right. It would just be in the news category. But, you know, the fact that it's even getting up there and that it's getting treated with uh, a little bit more of a, of an editorial hand... Um, I'm sorry. Well, a little more of, a, of an objective hand than a subjective hand, I should say. Because there would always be, you know... Belanger's talked about it. Jeff Belanger's talked about it with us here on the show because he used to be, like me, the journalist that would, at Halloween time, they'd turn to you and say, well, you're into the ghost stuff. Can you write us a couple of Halloween stories? And we always would say, but these stories are good year-round. Right. And, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, inside baseball here. The company that I work for, the company that owns, you know, our stations here, they don't shy away from that. The 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 people who are, you know, the, the national team that handles the content, the the people that are kind of the overseers of what I do here, they will tell us. Like, if you have good legends in your area, good UFO sightings that happen, any of that stuff, report it. Because people want to know about it. And and they even say to us, like, and in some cases, don't be goofy look, about it. You'll get more reports because people, oh, somebody did see the same thing I saw. Like, we've been getting inundated lately. With UFO sightings, yes. which it turns out that we're in the middle of uh, a couple of different meteor showers. But uh, we've uh, been... Some of these had nothing to do with meteors. Well, but, but a lot of the ones that I've been getting here at the station <laughs> Oh, yeah, have like been... the um, 
flaming thing falling out of the Yeah, sky. we had yeah. the video, and yeah. we put it up there, and other people started sending and in. And you saw the other one I tagged you with down in Florida. That yeah. looked very identical. And, and that's, you know, the, I'm assuming that those are meteors, mm-hmm. because... Uh, we did a little research. We con- I contacted the airport, and I said yeah. we had some people that saw it. Because at first, so the report comes in, and, and, the, and the video comes in. It came from a friend of mine, pers- a personal friend, somebody that I know and I trust, and somebody that wouldn't be messing around with us. And she said, I don't know what I just saw, but it wasn't one of those lanterns. And she says, I'm going to send you the video. So she sends me the video, and I look at it, and I say, wow, that's yeah. weird. Um, I think I know what it is, but can I use it? Because if you saw it, other people saw it. And if we put it out there, maybe we can get confirmation. Maybe we can get a better video that shows exactly what it is and we can explain it. So I put it up there and I say, you know, what is this fiery UFO object? Thinking somebody's going to write back and say, oh, that's definitely a meteor because here's the footage I caught where you can see that it's plainly a meteor. Um, so we put the story up there and we start getting all these photos and videos that start rolling in. And so I said, well, what's, am I right? Because none of them really looked to me like I could definitely say that it was a meteor. In fact, it, it looked just weird in the way that it was coming down. And I know that they can come in in all yeah. different shapes. It all depends on how much burns off as it enters the atmosphere. What angle they come in. Uh, but this yeah. was this seems a little bit elongated. And I suddenly had the, the thought in my head, I hope that there wasn't something that happened and that that's a, a, a person. And so I called the airport and I said, has there been any kind of like air accidents around the area or anything? And they said, no, no, there's nothing, nothing like that. So, okay, I said, can I talk to, you know, somebody in air traffic control or can I talk to the manager or somebody? And they're like, well, no, nobody's here, so we can't really connect to those. I said, well, okay, well, I'm still not totally satisfied in that answer, but I feel comfortable enough to say I can keep making jokes about it online and not think that there's anything wrong with it. You know, like if somebody wants to say, oh, it's just a, you know, a, a flaming, uh, pile of uh, airport, airplane poop, yeah. you know, which it doesn't flame, it freezes. Right. Like, even I know that. They also don't eject it out of the planes. It's held in a tank. It, we, I know. That's just, that's a story that people continue right. to tell right. to this day. Like, why would they do that? It, and if an RV can hold on to it. Well, it's the same principle. Yeah. Why, why would an airplane not hold on to it? It just doesn't make any sense. But anyway, so um, so I shared it. And for days, we got more and more sightings. And people would be like, I just saw the same thing. But it wasn't, I didn't see it Tuesday. I saw it today. And so it kept going. So, uh, you know, then you start to see a little bit more of these reports of people seeing these meteors. And they all tend to look the same. But we had, I think it was two different meteor showers that were happening at the same time. The Elides and, um, oh, I'm trying to remember the other one. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. But, um and then the other thing, too, is uh, there was a lot of people that were reporting seeing this bright, pulsating light in the sky. And they said, you know, it's not it's not moving, but I don't think it's a planet because I've never seen it before. And I don't, you know, it doesn't look like a star and it's not acting like a star. And so I actually went to where some people were saying that they were seeing it. And I put it up on my, I put my phone up using the... Uh, you know, sky probably map the probably the ISS? No, it wasn't. The, no, because you can even see, even though it's very slow moving. Yeah. You can still kind of, if you watch long enough, realize that there is motion with the space station. The other way that I can tell that it's not the space station, and I highly recommend this if you haven't done it, have you downloaded the ISS app on your phone? No. It's amazing. So they have an app, a free app. You can pay to get one without ads, but you know it's a free app, and they have cameras on the ISS. Yeah. And so you can watch what's going on. So it'll send you an alert. The sun is rising. 
on the International Space Station. Click here to watch the sunrise. And Every so 90 minutes. You just get to watch it. And then you can, it, it'll tell you like when it's over certain parts. It'll give you an alert if it's like over your area. And, uh, and you can watch. It actually gives you a map, too, that shows you like where it is in the sky. So if you're looking at a light and you think that it might be the ISS, you open up the app and it says, no, the ISS is over Australia right now. Okay, so it's not that. Um, but I use the, the sky map app, which you just hold it up in the sky and it, you know, oh, yeah, it shows you constellations. Where, and so it was Betelgeuse was what it was. I'm sorry, Sirius was what it was. Yeah, brightest star in the sky. So, but people were freaked out by it, even though the brightest star in the sky, it's there all the time. Yeah. You see it all the time in the winter, yeah. but people were freaked out by it. So, you know, it's good to have these things at your disposal to be able to kind of figure it out. So, you know, that's what we try to do when we put these stories out there. We're trying to share them and get people to talk about them and realize that, that that's what it is. I mean, if you if you get a good piece of footage, it doesn't matter. People aren't going to read the story. You can, you can put up a, a video and say, here's a UFO that was captured over New Bedford. And then in the story, you can update that and say, you know, three days after we posted this, we heard from... Uh, you know, the astronomy professor over at UMass Dartmouth who said that it's just this meteor shower. Right. And, but people, that doesn't matter. All they're watching is the video and it's, it's kind of giving it a life of its own. I remember there was a, a, a couple of UFOs that were spotted, I think, over the summer. Santa, that's, that's Santa Cruz. That's a meteor. Yeah. It's a big triangle shaped meteor. That looks like, I don't know if, I think, yeah, your camera's on. Uh, we're on a split screen, so that camera is working, so that works. Uh, there we go. Yeah, you yeah. Santa Cruz. Uh, this past so yesterday, I think it was. That's the that's the advantage of you know having all of this technology in our hands that we can put it out there pretty quickly and start asking around. One of the questions that came up though, and and I forget if I was, I don't know if I was hosting Midnight in the Desert or just listening to Midnight in the Desert, but there was somebody who was talking about you know having a UFO sighting experience and and not being able to get it on on camera. and How many ghost sightings have we had with cameras right in our hands and not thought to bring the camera up? Right, and that's the thing. Like, Just because we have them on us, like that's the big caveat that everybody has. Well, if it was a real UFO sighting, somebody would have caught it on camera because we all have cameras in our pockets. You know how many times you sent me a, a, a footage of a UFO that somebody's giving you from their camera phone? Oh, yeah. And I've said, I can't, it's just yeah. two white dots in the sky. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And you can't tell if it's somebody moving the camera or if it's the sky moving uh, or, or uh, the object moving in the sky. Oh, so let's help some people out right now. If you see something in the sky and you're recording it on your camera, leave the focus alone. Don't try and zoom yeah, in. Don't zoom in. Just leave it alone. <laughs> Just record the whole the whole event don't try and zoom in and hold your camera still yes don't move it around the sky don't uh and don't try to follow the object so there's you know it's going to be a while before any of that can be perfected enough to get a better to get more than just something that's just a white dot moving on a screen yeah so it doesn't matter you can get the best white dot moving on a screen that anybody's ever had it's still not enough to convince people now if you can get something you know, in the daytime that we can see, that's a different story. Like what I just showed. What you would held up. Um, or, or some of these other sightings that we've seen. Like, that's a different story. But uh, Although I think what I got there is the R3 TV. But Do you 
I'm, all right. So we know that you've had experiences. We know that you've had sightings. We know that yep. you've uh, you know been you've been given a few rides and yep. taken to a few places with other people. But do you still look at the sky? Do you still Every look night? up and, and watch for for well, those not, type of things? Well, not so much watching for them, but I just enjoy looking at the sky. See, I would but, yeah, I yeah. would be like, nah, 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 not looking up there. Nope. Yeah. Whether I look or not, things are going to happen anyway. <laughs> the, but for the most part, I mean, is there a correlation? Like, do you see something in the sky and then say, okay, I know something's going to happen tonight? That, uh, yes. To, to put it bluntly, yeah. Uh, you, most people that are experiences kind of know when things are about to happen. So you, do you think that it's that you're getting a heads up? Are you are you getting, or is it you just happen to to be catching them? It's not that you know, just looking up at the sky and saying, "I know they're coming." It's the, most experiencers that have experiences have that. Uh, I guess the I don't want to use the word premonition, but have the this feeling knowing that you just look you down know, and all of a sudden you sculpted your mashed potatoes type of thing. Yeah, 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 like. I'm, I'm not trying to be flippant. I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's one of those things where it's not in your consciousness as it's happening until suddenly it dawns on you what, what it means. No, I'm, I'm not talking moments. I'm talking sometimes a day or two ahead of time. You know it's coming. That kind of thing. It's, it, it, you have kind of a, uh, an advanced notice. There is a question in the chat room, uh, that asks if you can share an experience. Uh, we don't. We've never really put you on the spot to do that on the show. I know that you've done I've, it. I've done it a couple of times. You've, yeah, you've done a little bit, but um, I will. I'll leave that out there for you if you want to do it. But uh, I'm not going to directly ask you to do that. I, I have no problem sharing. It's on various videos that are. Oh, which uh, which uh, by uh, the way that um, that uh, inside, inside edition did, thing came out very well. They did a very good mm-hmm. job with that. I was impressed. And uh, and I was surprised that it was uh, so long. It was oh, like what, like a nine minute segment? Did did you put it up on the website? Did you put a link to it? Uh, I think Matt did. I think Matt put it yeah. up there for people yeah. to check out. It's up on there, but uh, yeah. So I mean, I was just you know surprised that. Uh, Which one would you like me to talk about? Well, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? What what would be? What do you think would be the most beneficial for the listener to hear of the experiences that you have? Would it be the first time that it happened? Would it be the first time that you realized what well, was happening? Well, it's happened on you know ever since I was a little kid. But at some point, you must have... Well, let me just ask you then as a point in question. At some point, did you just accept it and say, okay, yeah. going for a ride tonight? Yep. It's, uh, I mean, when, you, when you're little and these things keep happening to you, you know, you try and talk to your parents. Your parents, oh, you're, you're just having an active imagination. This is just this and just that. And, you know, stop watching all that crap on TV. And, you know, it's like, well, it's not what's happening. <laughs> you know. So, so, I mean, I just, I will, I will ask some surface questions, if that's all right. Sure. Um, is it a physical, is it a physical removal of your body or is it just a removal of your consciousness? No, it's a definitely physical removal of the body. So if you were sitting here and it happened right now, you would you would disappear? You would float? What would happen? Well, 
if you were to follow what happens in all of the other books and what are the other yeah. researchers, you know, but what's happened with me, yes, I have been taken with other people that have been in the room. One of the first things that will happen is everybody else will be switched off. That's the best way to describe it. Now, So one minute you're there, one minute you're not type of thing. Right, but, but in the process of me being gone, you can't move. Matt Costa can't move, but you're fully aware that things are happening and you get to see things happening. Uh, give a good example of one of the things that I talked about in the Inside Edition. Uh, I had a girlfriend that was uh, living with me at the time. They came and took me in the process of bringing me back. They woke her up, and um, she proceeded to freak out, and uh, they essentially dropped me on the floor because I was immobile, they, she started jumping up on the bed screaming. They bumping off each other and then vanishing through the walls and peeking in back through the window. And, you know, I'm here having to explain to her what the hell she just witnessed. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. And you were already at the point where it was like, okay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> nothing new to me. Is there? Can you negotiate with them at all? Can you be like, not tonight? There's no control over it. So the, way, the way I've described it in the past to everybody, it's like an unscheduled dentist appointment. You know, you you, you know it's going to suck. It's going to be over relatively quickly, and then you just move on with your life. See, the the questions that I have are the, are the weird questions, the things that never that never get answered. You know, that's that's what people want to talk about your experience. You know, what did you saw? What did, you know what happened? Like I have a like. Do you, does it affect your physiology of sleep? So you go and they take you and yes. they take you for however long you're gone for. And when you come back, generally you're wiped out. So it's not like. Or at least for me, as, you know, same thing as reported. So it's as people. if you were awake that whole time and being yes. kept up all night long. Yes. Okay. Um, and sometimes, you know, the physical things of what they do to your body. And I know it doesn't always, it doesn't always happen when you're sleeping either. I, I realize well, yeah, that. That's too. the other thing. That's the biggest misconception i would love to straighten out for people the whole sleeping paralysis excuse it's not an explanation it's an excuse okay first thing with sleep paralysis sleep paralysis is a uh thing that prevents the body from hurting itself it's a vestige uh thing left over from when we used to sleep in trees so you body didn't so you know, we don't like, act out our dreams right and, and right punch the person next to us so when you wake up what happens with sleep paralysis is your body wakes up and your mind wakes up but you're unable to move okay you wake up per- paralyzed when an experience happens and if it's actually happening in the in the middle of the night you wake up and you're able to move i know people have thrown pillows and you know and then you get immobilized can't do that with sleep paralysis, okay? No, that and the other person in the room with you is also paralyzed. So there's no such thing as simultaneous, you know, sleep paralysis. Um, but the mo- you know what the most common activity is when a person is abducted? Driving, okay? Driving. So if you're having sleep paralysis while you're driving, that, there should be a lot more accidents. That just that doesn't seem like the best it's that, the that, truth. That seems like a bad choice on the part of the the extraterrestrials to take people at that at that moment. What happens to the vehicle when they take them? Uh, usually, the vehicle is either 
on the side of the road. They control the person to the so side. You would, so it would just be like a disabled vehicle on the side of the road? road. Okay. Yeah. Or I'm they're thinking... led to an off... Because a lot of times they person next recollection they have is like what am i doing on this dirt road and where am i headed because we would know if there was a a a rash of vehicles that people were just disappearing from and then crashing into things be like oh i went to this scene of the crime to this uh, crash scene and there was nobody there there's also been a number of cases where they've taken vehicle and all and the vehicle has shown up 500 miles away in less than half an hour i I mean that's (laughs) that's the way i would do it i mean it's got to be easier to just pull up the whole vehicle i mean i don't know how strong there there was tractor beams one, are what, what they use one case i recall from south america that they, they they went from belize to just outside of mexico city in under an hour so are you saying that the time that we went to that ghost hunters premiere we might have been abducted <laughs> yeah oh yeah you were with travis walton weren't you no 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 that was you and me and Matt and your old Mercedes. Oh, no. That, when it took 25 minutes then, to go from Wareham to... No, that was just my lead foot in a supercharged Mercedes. <laughs> that's, that's the Out of all the experiences I've had, everything paranormal, that's the only one that ever really scared me. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's, those, it's those little details of things that I think make the difference for a lot of people between believing the story and, and not believing the story because... You can tell me all you want about, uh, you, you know, what the what the ship was like and the procedures that they did and what they wanted to know, but it's all these little, like, loose end type things that are what people turn to and say, well, you know, if, if people were getting abducted while they were driving, then their, their cars would crash. You know, it's things like that that I think are where, where the believability falters for some people. Um, so then you're saying that... Most abductions you, happen during the day, 65 to 70%. The other 30% happen at night. It's only like maybe about 10% that actually happen while you're in bed sleeping and what have you. And the only reason why it becomes, you know, the most popular thing is because it shows where we're the most vulnerable. Well, you know, it think, makes for good radio and television. So you've been doing this for a long time. You've, yes. you've been looking into this for a long time. You worked with Bud Hopkins and the Intruders right. Foundation. I've worked with John Mack. I've and worked with so, you know, Dave Jacobs, everybody. Looking back at all of this stuff and going back to, to, to these stories, so would you say that you got a lot of these night abduction reports from people? And, I, and take your own experiences out of it. But look at what you were getting as reports from people. Would you say that you got a lot of these night abduction, middle-of-the-night, kidnap-type stories prior to communion coming out, prior to Whitley Strieber sharing no. his experiences? Most, and the other thing is, um, you, know, you usually don't get... The, I mean, that's not the, really a fair question either, because I think that book came out probably before you got into... Well, some of the communion stuff. actually came out in early '90s, late late '80s. Yeah, let me get the actual uh, year on it. But I want to say like '89, maybe even '88. But um, so February of '87. So okay. February yeah. of '87, you were what? Like you were? It was was that the year? I was you out of high school. Okay, so you're starting to get into this stuff. You, you know, you're already kind of working with Maurice on some of the stuff, right? At yeah. that point in your life. Yeah. So, but you're probably still, you know, in the beginnings of your career as a as a researcher and getting some of this information. So, based on just what you know, and and maybe it's more of a question for Maurice, but 
you're saying that these nighttime abduction stories didn't happen nearly as frequently as they do now pre-communion. No. The, the, the reports all are all uniform. You know, some people talk about being out in their garden when they first have their experience and this and that. After communion and whatever, it, other researchers were looking for just specifically, you know, those that, type, those, those experiences. Of, right. Because why? Because it helps sell books. Like I said, a lot of the people were concerned about it because it's when they're the most vulnerable. You're the most vulnerable when you're asleep. You know, okay. Who who cares if they, you know, visited you in your garden while you're planting well, petunias? And, you know what? It's, you know. it's almost like, and I understand that for a lot of people, it's hard to believe any experience or story. But let's just say, you know, you're you're somebody who's kind of on the cusp of, I don't think it's possible, but I don't think everybody's telling the truth about it. Like, that's me. You know, I think that it's possible, but I don't think everybody that says that they had an experience is telling the truth about the experience. I think it's entirely possible that some people are delusional. Some people yeah. are making it. Same with any kind of paranormal experience. Some people who say that their houses are haunted are just mistaken. Or some people are just looking for attention. You know, it's the same as with anything else in the, right. in the realm of what we talk about here. But I also think that for some people, it's... It's easier to swallow when somebody tells you I was laying in my bed and all of a sudden I was taken from my bed than to say I was in my garden doing gardening work. Like They're like, whoa, you're seeing aliens during the day? Okay, you're yeah. definitely, there's something wrong with you. You're having hallucinations. But you say, oh, they came and they took me in the middle of the night. It's almost like, well, I can I can believe that because I've had those same fears when right. I'm laying in bed at night that somebody's right. in the house. Right. They're, they're preying on the person's fears is, is is what's going on. I'm talking about the authors. And right, the, right. You know, you know, the media. Well, let the, me ask you this, then. Do the, do the beings take fear into account? It does not seem like they do. No. For them, it's just time. You know, time to go do this, time to go do that, and whatever. Sometimes it happens during the night. Sometimes it happens during the day. You know, it's... So is it? It's that they're just not. They don't process the emotion that we feel. Would that be your? In my, my personal opinion, I don't think they have emotions like emotions like we have emotions, or to the degree that we. But do. they understand that when they come and they take somebody, in they the understand middle of the night, fear. Yeah, they they must understand, and that's. I, I mean, I don't know the basis of what it is that they're researching, but I can't imagine that's the most optimal experience. You know, I know that if I want to pat a dog, the best part time to pat a dog is when he's coming up to me with his tail wagging and right. not when he's got a bone in his mouth. Right. So you would think that eventually they would learn, like, if I need to get what I need to get, it's probably better to, you know, grab these people that are like, hey, come and get me, than it is to grab these people that are like, I don't ever want to see you. I, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. There's been reports that I've got on a number of occasions where, you know, they didn't shut the switch off quick enough and people have you know acted out against them they've incurred injuries and in some reports have even been killed have and you ever harmed one have i yeah uh, i'm gonna leave that right where that is and that's something that pertains to a, a particular experience that i had with some people that i want to keep that information okay no no problem yeah. so but, it, but, it's, but it's possible is what you're saying 
Oh, oh you're yeah. saying other people have you know, gone the other the thing, thing people think, you know, they're, they're so advanced, they don't make mistakes. They screw up all the time. <laughs> I, I, there's countless stories of how they F up. They ever put you back in the wrong place? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, obviously it's not a big oh, deal. Oh, yeah. Daytime well, it, or they it, drop you in a it car. It is when else, it's but. February and you're outside your door, your own door, and... Um, you're not wearing anything. Did you start, and the door's locked. Did you start hiding a key outside for that situation? Yeah, actually, yeah. I did. That'd be, the first, <laughs> that'd be the first thing I would do. Yeah, actually, I did. I did not like that. That was not fun. Um, there's been other cases where they put other people back in the wrong house, um, put the wrong clothes. A good good friend of mine, uh, Linda Cortiel, was one of, one of the subjects in Bud Hopkins' book. Linda and I know each other for years. But, and she still has us. She went to bed wearing like one of these Victoria's Secret teddies and woke up wearing a set of, uh, jogging shorts and a t-shirt that was in, written in Japanese. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to uh, monitor the chat room to see if oh. there's questions that pop in at the same time. So I don't think I'm not listening to you. Uh, but there, um, there is a question here uh, from Mr. Apney. Did you always feel that you would be brought home was there ever a time that you thought maybe this is it i'm i'm not going back or was there ever a time that you said to them i don't need oh, to go back oh yeah there was one like i said talking about harming there was one occasion where i wasn't sure i was going to make it back and when i did make it back i was came to with blood pouring out of my eyes my ears my it, everywhere and so have you ever volunteered for longer duty? No. Okay. <laughs> Not some people. Oh, there are space brothers, our friends. And yeah, I call it the well, Stockholm syndrome. Well, but. no, but hold on, because listen, let, let's be fair, because. Well, maybe fine for them, but, but I'm not a willing participant. You you work very closely with the Starborn twins, and and they kind of have that approach. Oh yeah, they do, and that like I said, though they, I met them there. That's how we met. So, but you still work with them, and they have an yes. opposite viewpoint. Well, not, I mean, not it, an opposite. Everybody they has a, their their way of coping with different things. Okay, they're so, very much of that, you know, space oh, yeah. brothers, you know, yeah. connected kind of thing. And and but you're saying that that's not always like the case. I said. I, I look at that as Stockholm syndrome, and you know what that is. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I suppose though that when you are getting to that point of acceptance you know you do you do kind of feel like is it the same all the time is it the same beings or are they repeat customers or is it more of you know it's you've never seen the same one twice no um there's been a number of occasions where i am i'll call it familiar with i mean is there distinguishing ways to tell them apart physically no it's just when they interact with you, you just like I know your voice. Mm-hmm. Same, same kind of idea, but it's not a vocal transmission with them. No, it's not necessarily vocal. They don't make any real audible vocalizations like you and I use language. They do make noise. I mean, I, I'd say this because we've already had this conversation off air, but I, I should clarify for the listeners. It's the longest I've ever talked about this on this show. Well, you've and it's. Well, because I know that it's not usually something that you want to discuss on the show, and you'll bring it up in the course of a discussion with somebody else, but right. we don't usually turn 
turn the spotlight on to you. Um, and if you don't feel comfortable, believe me, no, just no, say, no. hey, let's take a break and we'll reset. No, um, I have no problem with it. It is what it is. But you have told me in the past, you know, off the air, maybe mentioned on a different show that it's more of a, you just know what it is that they're saying, even though they're right. not saying it. People like to throw the word out telepathy. It's not, it, telepathy, though, it, 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 you, I can see how they would use the word. It's. It, I mean, I don't. I mean, obviously, I wasn't there, so I mean, at least if I was, don't tell me. But if uh, we've had that fight too. Yeah. <laughs> but if telepathy to me it, it means that it's it's a, a trick, it's a it's an ability that they're forcing the thought into your mind, and it always sounds like with me, it's not. It sounds to me when I've talked to you about it, it's not really that. It's not really like I'm going to project this into your mind. It's more of a matter of it's just a more evolved form of communication yeah. Yeah. that yeah. you're just able to do when you're around them. Yes. And so I think that, you know, I mean, I'm, I've never been shy about saying this. I think that's something that we'll, we're all capable of that we just don't do. We, Yeah, to a certain degree, humans do. I mean... We, we do, but I think we could do way better with it than we do. Well, we... The unspoken communication that humans have um there's actually a, a word for it in a book i read it's called kinesics where you're reading the body language and the the motions that uh, a person does their facial contortions you, you're able to communicate non-verbally uh and you understand what's going on but sometimes you don't even need that to communicate right you know sometimes you just know like sometimes i can just look at you and go mm? and you're like yeah mm -hmm. like that's yeah. all you need and I, I I think that we could get to that level of being able to communicate that way. We just don't because we're so self-absorbed that we can't pick up on those same. And, and I don't mean self-absorbed well, like we what purposely is, only care about ourselves. What you're talking about is the latent communication that we used to have before we invented language. Right. Language kind of made us, you know, yeah. isolated from each Actually other. Actually, it did. Yeah. Yeah. And see, this is why, like, I fight with people. And I, I, I'm not I'm not going to make this political. But when people have an issue with globalization and, you know, people are like, well, I really support this trend that's going on, not just here, but across, you know, around the world of, of nationalism, you know, and everybody kind of staying in their, their areas and, and, and keeping these borders up and all that. But I look at it more of a, I'm looking at it more from like, where can human beings go? I'm not even thinking politically. I'm not thinking governments. I'm not thinking economies. I'm thinking just each individual person interacting with each other individual person where can this go and i think that that's where we can be where we can be to a point where these these things that connect us all these energies that connect us all that we know are there yeah that we can take better advantage of those so that we can do something better for each other so I walk into the room. I know that you're upset about something. Uh, you're, and instead of asking what's wrong and having to have to talk to you about what's wrong and have you pull up all those emotions and have to live through Nothing all that again. Wrong. Nothing's wrong. And, but we say like, oh, it helps to talk about it. And, and it does. But you know what would help more about it uh, than talking about it is if I could just walk into the room and I see that you're upset and I say, no, you're not upset anymore. And I think that we have the ability to do that. We just have to get there. And the fact that we keep, we're, the, the ego is so self-centered, and I'm talking the ego of, you know, uh, psychology. 
So not just our own what about the selfishness. Then, uh, this is a serious question. I right. What about the id as well? Well, but that's also going to be the driving force for that ego staying so self-centric. Okay. So it's they're they're going to be in battle with each other. But if we can get to that point where we are selfless, then we are going to we're going to, basically my long-winded point is if we get to that point, we're going to have those type of communication abilities. So it's not going to be... Again. Right. Well, I don't know, because I think even... Like I said, we had that form of communication before we developed language. I, but I think even then there was limitations to that right. that we can get beyond going forward. Uh, just think about it like this. I mean, for people that say, well, that doesn't sound natural to me. Think about when a woman is carrying a baby. Right. And she just knows something's wrong. Or... How about twins? Right. They have that innate connection already. Um, so there's enough of these signs that I think that that's where we're... I mean, is that a great thing for a guy that does radio for a living to say that someday we don't have to talk? Probably not, but I think that we won't have to talk someday. Uh, why, don't we, why don't we take a break? And we can take some of your calls as well. 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. We're just going to... We're going to run a real quick break for a minute here, and then when we come back... We can take your calls. We can keep talking about this. We can keep talking about what our limitations are as human beings, you know, and, and not to say the sky's the limit because, as we're learning here, the sky is no limitation whatsoever. All right, we'll be right back in just about 60 seconds. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? you love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. All right, we are back. Uh, Matt, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Was that a was that a, a Wi-Fi question that you had or a different question? Okay. That's... The, the, the break was significantly shorter than I thought that it was. Uh, but, uh, again, we will take your um, calls and your thoughts at 508-996-0500. Maybe you have a question that you want to ask Moniz. Uh, again, we're, we're only going to ask him to respond to what he's comfortable about because the same reason why when we have Stephanie in here, and she's, she's actually uh, out of the studio this week, but I think she's coming back next week. Uh, this is one of the reasons why when she's here, we don't have her perform with her abilities. You know what I mean? Because that's not what you're here for. Like, you're not here to be put on the spot. You're here to offer insight. I, I have no problem talking about my experiences or things. You know, certain things I want to keep uh, under under my hat only because when I'm interviewing other experiencers, there are things I don't want to mm -hmm. put out into the general, you know, population in terms of information that's generally kept within. Right. You, you, know, you need to have some things that you can, the, the same reason, I mean, not to equate it to a crime, but you know, when, but, when, like when we're reporting on yeah. a crime, we don't get all the information right. yeah, same because way, yeah. there's, they have to keep some things in reserve. Right. Um, but it's the same thing as I was saying, though, with Stephanie. Like, uh, I've, I've said to her, we will never have you come on this show and, and do readings. 
Like, even when we don't have anything to talk about, and if we were completely failing and we're on the air for another hour and a half and we've got nothing to talk about, I will do an hour and a half talking about snacks before yeah. I will say to you, like, <laughs> you have to do readings now. Now, if she felt like there was a reason to do it, it's wide open. Like, you can certainly do it. I would never stop you from doing it. But I just feel like it's not what you're here for. And, and I don't ever want, and then what you do, what ends up happening is you set a precedent of that. So if we had Stephanie come in and you said, Stephanie, we don't have anything to do with this. We don't have a guess. We don't really know what we're going to talk about. Can you just do some readings? And she says, okay, I will. And then she does it. Then the next four weeks, we're just getting phone calls from people that want readings because they see Stephanie sitting in that seat. So I, I just feel like it's not really, it's not really fair. And there's, there's the other aspect of it too of, you know, that's her business. Yeah. And this show isn't real. I mean, it, we're, we're, hoping, get paid here, we're right? hoping to help you with your business by you being part of the show, but we're not here to, to actively promote your business. You know, like that's what's different when you're a guest because you're, you're giving us the service of coming on that we will promote what it is that you do. Um, but when it comes to kind of us, you know, we just, we want to let you know about things, mm -hmm. but we, we don't want to turn this into a commercial for things. We've we've been accused of oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> we've been accused of turning this show into a commercial for some of our other ventures. And I have to say, in some cases, not far off. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know, it's changed now. I mean, well, I mean, the thing is, is if we have these things that are going on, this is our avenue to let you know about it. And the people that are listening are the people that come to these events. Yeah, it's more for the people that are going to be coming to them to let them know. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. We have a cruise coming up in May, and the final payment for the cruise is due January 3rd. So if you want to act now and get the special deal and and have it at, uh, you know, hundreds of dollars less than what it would cost you if you book it after January 3rd, then go to wickedwaterscruise.com and sign up for it. Use my promo code TIM, and you can still get that special rate between now and January 3rd. But you can also buy the tickets after that and just have to pay more. So keep that in mind. You know, maybe you're waiting for your taxes to come back. You can... Do that and buy the tickets then and still use my promo code Tim and any discounts or, or any kind of, uh, specials that are available, you'll get by using that. So yeah, that's, there's your commercial. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, I think I've said this before on the air where the day, here's, here's how I found out about your experiences. <laughs> okay. Is you told us that you were going to be on Destination America. Yeah. That there was uh, an episode of Monsters and Mysteries in America. Yep. And you were going to be on it. Yep. A and I watched the episode. I still disagree with the casting choice of the person they picked to pay you, play you. <laughs> like, how is that even close to, to Moniz? I'm like thinking, I'm like thinking in my head, I was like, of all, like, what, what, what's, what's the casting call to play Moniz? Like, what do you put up as, uh, here's what we're looking for. Um, basically they're like, uh, it, it was close enough to fit, fit the story. Uh, the, the worst part about it was the, um, the bar was certainly miscast. Oh, God. Yeah, the bar was far off. <laughs> they basically took what was a, a Hells Angels biker bar uh, in real life. Yes. And they turned it into some, like, you know, like wine and tapas. Yeah. Uh, you know, like. <laughs> no. Okay. The kind of place that, by the way, if you know Moniz, he would never be in. Yes, correct. Like, not <laughs> even the guy playing Moniz probably would never be in a place like that. Um, but anyway, so we're watching this this special, and, and, and that's when I heard for the first time that you had actually had experiences and 
my first thought was, like, what the hell? Why is this the first time that we're hearing about this? But, I, but, I, I, I never, from the first time I started working with you guys, I told you I was into researching this material. Right. You never, ne- you never said that you weren't. Correct. Correct. You also never asked. Right. And... So that's that's kind of where I went through. I was like, "Why is this? Where is this coming from?" All of a sudden, and he's just now saying. And then, uh, you know, when we we were talking about it, and and I mentioned it to you, and you said, "Like it's it's never come up because I don't feel the need to talk about it." Yeah. And so, we kind of made it a point to say then, okay, well, we're, we're you didn't bring it up before. We're not going to bring it up on the show now. And um, I think we might have just you know given that episode a little bit more of a plug to say hey it's going to be on again this time and this time but we didn't turn it into a so Moniz now that we know that you're an abductee what does this mean it was never a secret and like I said I've been on other shows and in other books long before the before the show ever started well but also too like my experience with you when you had said that was you know going and reading uh, you know the uh, in the uh, left at Eastgate, yeah. you know, and, and reading about the soil sample tests. And uh, and, and I know that you were in Linda Moulton Howe's book, but uh, I don't think I was ever able to get my hands on a copy of that. But so, you know, I was looking at it from the perspective of you were this scientist that they were calling in for help with some of these things that they were researching. I didn't really put two and two together um, that it would be... I worked. I worked in both worlds. So right. So. I didn't. I didn't really yeah. think of it beyond just the lending your scientific expertise. Uh, one of the things, though, that probably could have been a clue was you know the work that you were doing with the Intruders Foundation, which <laughs> to have Bud Hopkins on the show and to have him, I think I think we said before, we were his last interview, right? Yes. And to we we actually have a bad reputation of being people's last interviews. We should probably be careful with that. Um, But to have him say like, you know, kind of how he met you, and I I went back and kind of listened to that episode to hear hear him say like how he. I'm like, oh, hmm. Maybe there were signs that we just didn't pick up on. Maybe I'm not as good of a journalist as I think I am, because I was listening to these like, oh God, Bud just said, and I just we just kept rolling with it, and I just went with it. So uh, I think that uh, I'm just trying to turn over here and see if there's any. No. Qu- okay, Eileen Munson, you know we love you. You're you're a, a great listener and an active part of the uh, the chat room every week, and we were happy. We appreciate you, but uh, I just have to say, Mel Gibson is Moniz. No, I think I think I think Eileen's. Uh-huh. I'm a lot more. I hope. Than I, hope I hope she's. Uh, I hope she's joking with that. <laughs> Although you know, Moniz has never been caught on uh, audio screaming about the Jews. So there's that too. No, not anti-Semitic. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm just. I'm just giving her some some crap. No, it's that's a fine. It's a fine recommendation. She thinks that Mel Gibson now should play you, not handsome Mel Gibson. <laughs> Of the 1980s. She's talking about, like, train wreck Mel Gibson yeah. now. Uh, so, but we were talking a little bit about the the experiences and, and about how they can kind of happen at any time of day. Um, and you said that, you know, more often than not, it happens during the daytime for, yes. for people. Uh, does that, do you find that that's actually harder for the experiencer 
to have it happen during the day? Do you because I you know I talked to you about like believability for somebody on the outside to say it's more. Uh, believable for them to think you were taken from your bed in the middle of the night than to think you were abducted during the day. During the day, they think, oh, you're just hallucinating. What does the person that's going through it feel about that? How do they feel differently about it during the day? Do they worry about their own sanity based on the fact that it's happening while they're awake? As I said, most experiencers have these experiences start at a uh, young age. And usually the younger younger age it's happening in the daytime nighttime so so i'm, you, I'm so i'm good if i if i haven't been having it happen now i'm, I'm probably okay if you were an experiencer chances are you would already know you it's are not starting now. at 40 okay all right yeah <laughs> i'm already past the age where they want to start doing although it all depends now this is one of the things that i like to focus on because you know it's how i you know, here's something I'm going to share that most people are going to be like, oh, my God. It's how I met my first wife. Well, you've told us that before. I, I, yeah. I don't think I've ever mentioned that. No, not there. publicly, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, when I was a young teenager, taken during an experience, brought into a particular room, introduced to a uh, young girl about my age, we were left in this room to interact for about, I'd say, 20 minutes, half an hour. So we were exchanging information about the music we liked, this and that, you know, and what I was doing at school and what she was doing at school and whatever. And then they came in, separated us, and brought us back to, you know, our respective places. And about, I'd say, seven, eight years later, I'm sitting in a planetarium at a lecture given by Stanton Friedman on April Fool's Day. And as I'm sitting there with Maurice, listening to Stanton Friedman. And for those who don't know, Maurice is uh, Matt's mentor. Yeah. yeah uh, author of um, The Devil's Alibi and, you know, long-term, long-time researcher. Um as I'm sitting there with Maurice and we're, I'm listening to Stanton Friedman, I look across and in the front row on the opposite side of me is that same girl. And now, I, does it, you just, are you looking I, at her and saying, you look familiar or are you looking at her and saying, I know exactly first, where I know you from? Well, the first, I would say 15, 20 seconds is, she looks familiar, I know, I know, and then it hit me and I could see the same look on her face when she's looking back at me and then we after stanton got done talking we immediately went up and started talking to each other and it's like i know you and she's like i know you i know you too and then it's like i asked her where do you know me from and she's like i don't know if i want to tell you so she had the same recollection that you did yeah and were you from the same area when Uh, you First met. Yeah, I was living down the Cape. She was living Swansea, Seekonk area. Okay. At so, that time. So when you were wherever that you were together. Uh, you know, I'll use yeah. the term on the ship, but we'll just use yeah, that as... Yeah. So when you were on the ship together, you were still like... You were talking about where you were from. Yeah, um, Did that, that 
did that come up in that initial conversation? I, the funny part is, no, we didn't talk about the exactly, you know, we were just talking about school. Hey, school, you know, I didn't say I went to this school and she didn't say, you know, we were talking. Because, because my question would be, is if you met somebody on the ship and you said, hey, I'm from, you know, Wareham. And she's like, well, I'm from Swansea. The first thing that I would do is I would go to Swansea and try to look for her, you know, just to kind of find this person outside of that circumstance to say, but it didn't come up in that conversation. No, it didn't. Our first part of our conversation was what, what's happening, where are we, what's going on, and, you know, are they coming back? You know, we did exchange names. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, and then uh, we started talking about, you know, how we felt and being trapped in this. And then, like I said, I remember the conversation moving on to music, talking about the different types of music we both like. Let's face it. It's not exactly like you're going to be, um, you know, you're, you're, I'm sure the conversation was somewhat. Like, let's just talk about yeah. anything that, except the fact that we're both sitting here right now on, a, on an alien spaceship. Correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you're just sitting there like, so, do you like music? Yeah. You know, just kind of to... to and, and you're dealing with... Trying to normalize the situation a little bit. Right. You know, you're dealing with teenagers at the time we both would have been about maybe 15, 16, maybe a little older. Teenager. You know, so... So then... Um, First of all, take that paranormal date. Uh, but uh, <laughs> do, you, do you feel though that like that? Yeah, but the, and then, like I said, after that, we we both started really getting into this paranormal thing, hook line Cause, and sinker. Cause this is not wound up isol- getting married, then wound up getting divorced. This is not an isolated case. This is something no, that you that, spent years that, researching this what, exact type of phenomenon. Exactly. And that's what I was focused on is how many other people are. And, and that yeah. research probably started after this, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. And that's what got into Bud's book and how we started working with Bud and all of these other researchers and doing our own thing. You'd be surprised how many people are taken together. Okay. So when that's when you start taking that into consideration it takes it out of the realm of what i call we're we're not going to be airing this right it's just going to be on podcast right so i can use um yeah if you need to yeah it it takes it out of the realm of what i call psycho babble bullshit and puts it into a whole nother category because you know two people aren't having the same hallucination well and and the other part of it too is If it was some kind of a delusion, it could be possible that two people could come back with the same delusion, that they could convince each other of what it was that they had experienced. But to have it be two people that didn't know each other, correct, to both come up and be like, yeah, yeah. like right away and just to lay it out there. Yeah, it's with not the same like, exact story. It's not like one whenever. person was trying to convince the other person. Right. Like, 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 hey, I think I met you on a ship one time. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, we were on an alien ship. I've never been on an alien. No, you were. You were there. Like, it's not like that kind right. of a conversation. It's more of a... I say one thing, right. you're able to complete mm-hmm. the rest of that. what I know, and yeah. So, and and as I said, you know, you made this kind of a, a, a focus of your research. And in doing that research, I think, you know, to put, not to put words in your mouth, but I think that the conclusion is that these uh, these are not meat cutes that are just happening... 
accidentally. Like this is something that's kind of being directed. Correct. And it's being done for a reason. They uh, bring people together to associate for a reason. Not sure what that reason is. Some people say it's for breeding. Not necessarily. Not all of the people that are brought together are uh, end up being romantically involved. Um, but, well, I mean, obviously, like, you're not romantically involved with the Starborn Twins. No. But you are, no. I mean, if you are, I mean, no, that's your no. business. But, <laughs> but no, they're, they're very good friends. They are more like sisters to right. me. And they, they, that's how they refer to you. Yeah. You know, you refer to each other as siblings. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, that was a matter of being brought together for that relationship. Right. And I think... It, I, I see enough yeah. I see yeah. enough signs though with things like that with relationships like that and and granted you know as you said things didn't work out in in that marriage but whatever that's I'm and that sure, was purely human related yeah I'm yeah. sure that that's I'm sure when that I'm, but I'm sure there's also situations where this happens where you know it's the love of a lifetime for people yeah and they stay together forever and I'm sure that there's friendships that are formed uh, and not, not everyone is like yourself and the Starborn Twins where you stay friends. You're, you know, they kind of move in and out of each other's lives. But uh, I have a couple of um, abductee friends that are um, couples now. I'll, I'll give a shout out to Jack and Suzanne. And um, there are others that have become very, very good, fast friends. And some of them have even become co-workers, starting businesses together, working together, doing businesses. It's They're brought together because there is a something that connects these people to each other if, that, if you, that they're interested in. And you get that sense if you watch the Inside Edition video. You know, it, it gives you that sense because everybody's kind of talking about that. And obviously what they've done with Starborn Support is a, a huge positive. Yeah. And, you know, you can feel however you want about abductees. You can think that they're all crazy and that everybody's making it up and all that. You can be one of those type of skeptical people, but even you being in that position have to look at a group of people that are able to take comfort in each other and say, I mean, you might even, you might say, hey, they're just feeding each other's delusions, but whatever. You can see that they are forming this close friendship and forming this, this sense of family about it. If you are a believer in what is happening, then you know that that is probably saving those people's lives to be part of that family and to at least have somebody that they can share those experiences with. And is that is that an intended byproduct of what's going on? Is that something that these forces up there are trying to foster? Or is this just something that has happened because the experience is so traumatic that you have to kind of take solace in each other where you can find each other. I think it may be a bit of both. Little column A, little column B. But you think that there... Do you, but I mean, I guess my bigger question is, is it a benevolence to what it is that they're doing? Is, are they trying to do something that is either, either good or kind of devoid of intention? Now, this comes solely from me and my own viewpoint on, on this. I think what they're doing is their own agenda. Not necessarily that just for our benefit, for our betterment and stuff like that. They're doing something that's on their own. If it benefits us, maybe that's just a secondary thing that happens because of it. They are they are doing things for their own reasons. Okay. Are we getting some sort of benefit out of it? Some of it, yes. Some of it may hold a detriment to us too that we're not aware of. 
Because yeah, I just, I, my, the rational part of my mind says that you get more flies with honey. If you want to do whatever it is that you're doing, you're better off finding those who want to do it. You're better off taking volunteers than you are to well, that's conscription. Not all of them are volunteers. Like I said, the Starborn Twins, I love them to death. But you know they're all all about you know our space brothers our you know and, and I hear that with number of other people. Oh, I want to go in, and then you got some people like me. Yeah, you better make damn sure I'm immobilized because if I get my hands on you, I will end you. Even now, still. Even now, still. And not due to. It's not a. I am not a willing participant. You know, other people like to call them experience themselves so, experiencers. So you've or, just you've you know, just stuff like that. No, I'm a motherfucking abductee. So you just learn to accept it. Yeah, but not you still don't want it. Is what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, if you want me involved, have the balls enough to land on my, you know, on my dock. But, come knock on my door and ask me to. But come. that's the thing is, I'm I'm thinking to myself like that would be. The better way of doing things, you know, basically what it is, is they're basically they're drafting you and and forcing you to do this against your will. And and you're not going to get the best results for whatever you're trying to do by having people that you're forcing to participate. You know, we have a great audience of people that love this show and love to interact with this show. But if I go around blasting it to people that don't want to hear it, I'm not doing myself any favors. But then I... And, and that's the mindset that I think. I think, why can't they just take people that want to be part of it? There's plenty of people that stand out there and say, why won't you take me? So, but here's the thing. I look at the way that we interact with things around us and and things that we feel to be beneath us yet interesting to us. And we don't, we don't judge. We don't look for volunteers. We don't walk into a, a, a pet store and say, which one of you dogs wants to come home with me? All of them. We walk into, well, <laughs> sure, but we walk into a pet store and say, I want that one. I want that one. We right. walk into a, into a, into a supermarket and we say, I want that cut of meat. I want that lobster. We walk into a restaurant and we say, I want that meal. Yeah. We don't say, like, who wants to come home with me, head of lettuce? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we just, take what we want because we don't t- and, and I'm trying to go with at least things that we think might have some sort of a, a consciousness but we we don't give them the choice we just take what it is that we want and we expect them to adapt to the situation and so maybe this is the same thing maybe this is like you're there sure well I'll take you see that's the funny part uh, the- do you feel there's a reason why it's you yes Okay, and I believe it has to do with genetics. They've a lot of abductions follow family lines, and um, we know for sure that you know there are many abductees that are uh, repeat family abductions. In other words, it goes back in family lineage, you know, uh, number I, of generations. So. I don't, I don't want you to speak out of school for for your family if you don't want to. But have you found that to be in your own oh, history? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, I, I'm thinking that is definitely genetic. The, they're looking for something in us genetically to be done, you know, whether, whether it's 
And in all be... the research that you've done, all the work that you did with Bud, and uh, and all the the years of research that you've done since, you haven't found a commonality. One of the commonalities is the Rh factor in blood. Uh, well, why? Because here's something. Here's, uh, okay. here's an I'm, answer I'm when there's where there's not a lot of to get into it. I'll let I'll let the listeners go look into it. Okay. Well, I mean, give us at least a rough idea of, like. What 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 would a, what would that be? A person that has that? What would what would be a characteristic of them? Um, what does it mean to have that characteristic? Is more the question that I'm looking at. Well, one of the characteristics of this particular thing that they're looking at is that science isn't sure why why it exists in the first place. Okay. So okay. now me knowing lot more about genetics and um, th- things of that nature what it is is uh, I'm I'm looking at it is where they first spliced into the human genome for whatever purposes they're doing okay it's an entry point of, of what you know okay we know that we've broken this little part in so now we can insert or delete out whatever they're looking to do just a, my own personal theory, I can't. Right, right. You know. But at least you've done enough research and, and encountered enough, yeah, en- enough examples of it that you can say, okay, this seems to be more than just uh, you statistically. There's yeah. a, a higher no, higher number of degree of this. Right, because I mean, you could. I'm sure you can drive yourself crazy trying to find commonalities amongst oh, the I, different I, people, but if you have something that stands out like that, that you can say, okay, at least this might be part of the reason why. Oh, a vast majority of abductees are right-handed. Well, the vast majority of the public right, exactly. is right-handed. You have to find so, something yeah. that is an outlier anyway. Right. But And that's the thing. Like, If you have something that's an outlier amongst the general population but also is a you know, a high-frequency mm-hmm. event within Correct. that portion of people, right. then you can look at it and say, maybe this is why. Um, have you asked? Have you asked them if that's what well, it's all about? I've tried asking. It's mainly one-way conversations. You know, they're telling you what what they want you to do. You know, I I, I try and talk. To, here's one of the only things that I had said back to me, and I use air quotes when I say the word said. You know, um, when I was younger, I I was like doing whatever I could to try and cope with it. And uh, at one point, I was in what I would call my denial phase of it. You know. When I one of one of the times I was taken, I was like, "Okay, um, I don't believe in you. You don't exist. You're not real. I don't believe in you." I remember sending that directly to one of them, and I got this puzzled look. I'll never forget. It was a puzzled look, and the impression I got back was, "It doesn't matter if you believe." We exist. What matters is we believe you exist. And at that point, I'm like, "Oh crap!" Right. <laughs> I mean, in 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 a way, though, that's that's what all of this is about. All of these things that we talk about, it it, it doesn't matter if you believe. It doesn't keep it from existing. You know, you yeah. can you can be the most ardent skeptic out there, and say, "Well, none of that stuff is real." But that doesn't, you not believing in it doesn't negate the experiences that I have had or the countless others that have had it. 
It just means that you're not either exposed to it or willing to accept what it was that you were exposed to. Kind of like when you told me that uh, I might have been an abductee, and I said, nope, not hearing this, not listening to it. I haven't brought it back up since you told me not to, have I? You have not. I will give you credit for that. Um, I've talked about it, I think, a few times here on the air, but uh, it was it, it got to the point where I, I went back to my parents. So just real quick, and then we'll wrap up the show. But um, I used to have this, I used to have like recurring dreams when I was a kid of disappearing from my room and i used to like want to sleep between my parents because i wouldn't want to be in my room alone uh, which is not uncommon uncommon for a kid and let me um, guess you had various weapons hidden around your bed you used to keep your uh, I, I did not because i didn't i wouldn't go into my room but i'm saying if you were in your room you would select i'm not saying you had I don't, an ak-47 I don't, beside your bed but you, you i don't remember some... if i did um i just i remember like for a long time in my life, I never wanted to, like, play in my room. Like, I wanted to be where the people were. Um, so I wouldn't be, like... I do have, like, some vague recollections of being the same age. It was when I was about four years old. And I do have some vague recollections of being in the house, in my bedroom. Like, I remember playing on my bedroom floor with... I had this, like, a kid's record player that played, like, those plastic yeah, records yeah. with the bumps on them. Yeah. And so I remember sitting on my floor playing with that in my room, but I don't remember like being in my room any other time besides that, except for being put into bed um, and then freaking out. But uh, I, I, when I lived in this house, I would I, I would swear that I would wake up in the middle of, in the morning. I'd wake up in the morning outside of my house in in the next neighborhood over, and that my parents like put an extra lock on the door because this was happening. And I remember, like, somebody finding... I remember, like, knocking on somebody's door or somebody coming out of their house and, like, asking me who I was and where I lived because there, there was just a kid on their front lawn. And I remember another time when we were camping around the same time, um, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and I looked over to my parents' sleeping bag, and they weren't there. And so I left the tent looking for them, and um, and I'll never forget, because for some reason, it stands out in my mind that the grass, the blades of grass on the ground, as I was walking, looked like they were, like, snapping at my feet. And, like, and so I was, like, trying to walk as fast as I could because I thought that the grass was going to bite me. Yeah. And so I walked to where there was a, a, a camper and some people playing cards. And I walked over and I said, are my parents here? And they're like, no, your parents aren't here, kid. Like, why? Where'd you come from? And I was like, my campsite's over there. And I woke up and my parents were gone. And so they walked me back to my campsite. And when they did, my parents were sleeping in the sleeping bag inside the tent. Now, could that have been like my parents snuck out to go do some, you know, parents things? (laughs) But they swore no. They swore that that didn't happen. And so I remember I had shared this with you, yep. and I remember sharing it with you in the Houghton Mansion, in the library of the Houghton yep. Mansion, and you basically gave me that same, like, I'm not going to say it, because I know you don't want me to say it, um, but uh, you, had, you had brought that up, and I let that marinate for, for years, and then one <laughs> night I just said to my parents, I said, well, remember when I was younger and I used to, like, leave the house in the middle of the night and go into the other neighborhood, and like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, when we lived in Randolph and you had to, like, put an extra 
lock on the door and everything so that it was higher than I could reach. And uh, and I still got out, and you couldn't figure out how. I'm like, no, that that never happened. And I'm like, but no, because I wouldn't have made up that memory. I wouldn't have had any reason to make up that memory. So what would it serve? Right. Like, why would I remember my parents adding a lock onto the door? Like, of all the things that would be associated with that experience, that would be something that I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to have that memory because I'd want to. Right. Like. I'd why, want to think like. Why would you create a memory of? Oh, they put two lights on their nightstand. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and why would I think there'd be something standing in the way of me actually getting out and having this experience? You know, like why would I put up a block to right. the story that I'm trying to remember having happened? Uh, I mean, I guess maybe subconsciously it makes the story better. I don't know, but but I, anyway, I, I I didn't make up the memory, and so like they kind of argued with me a little bit about it, and I I haven't gotten to the point yet where I said to them like, all right. Honestly, now, are you just telling me that, or did it really, really not happen? But uh, maybe it's a conversation that we we do have to have. But it's uh, it's freaky. That's why I don't really like to go down that road. All right. Any more questions before we end? No, I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Just because uh, <clears throat> we can we can leave. It, and I'm also worried that if uh, if i start asking you more questions you're gonna start asking me more questions that i don't exactly. want to answer That's why. but we can uh, we can save some also for a future uh, episode as well so uh oh and we do have a question about the podcast uh yes i am working on uh, updating that i fell behind a little bit in getting some of the uh the newer episodes up but i will work on that we i was basically um having some trouble with uh the hipcast the podcast server and, and getting stuff up there in a in a in a fashion that works. Uh, and then when I try to do it, Matt, I forget. You know, so when I sit down, I can't upload multiple episodes at once because when I do that, we seem to have a problem. So then it's a matter of, like, finding the time to go to that computer where I have the programs to do that with, remembering to do it. We'll try and get all caught up uh, before the end of the year. And uh, I did upload a, a couple of them. There's, like, three episodes up there, and I, I think there's only, like, two that we haven't uploaded yet. It'll be three with this one, so we'll try to get all caught up on it. Uh, but uh, thank you to everybody for tuning in. Uh, if you want to check out the show uh, on the podcast, you can get it wherever podcasts are found. You can also watch all of the episodes as videos on YouTube. We also rebroadcast every week on the Dark Matter Digital Network. So if you want to listen to the show and relive it in its semi-live glory, you can do that on the Dark Matter Network each week. Uh, and uh, and you can always reach out to us as well, uh, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at SpookySC, uh, Instagram, wherever else you can follow us. Please do so. We love to hear from you. We love to hear all the topics that you want us to talk about, and we love to hear your thoughts on some of the, the shows that we have presented. So we'll be back uh, next week with another edition of the show. Until next time, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, I'm Tim. We want you all out there to stay spooktacular. <laughs>